Monica for mayor. Everyone wants John to run. But is that God's will? Oh, no. I'm Michael LaFaver. And I'm Ryan Matlock. We're two not divinating fans of Beyond Gilead. (laughs) And today we're reviewing 8-2 When Good Men Do Nothing by John Fornoff. So join us for episode 98 on our return to Gilead. Yeah, I forgot for a second that we were actually going to rehash that stuff. Why don't we get the summary off the top here? that's just the the point of the episode. Yeah, no, you're right. Isn't it? Uh, Part of it. I think it's a whole other subpart that, like, if you take out the discerning God's will thing, this episode is awesome. Can I explain why? Please. So, here's the summary for this episode. When Monica Richter announces her candidacy for mayor of Coleraine, John Morrison begins to see signs that he should also run. Meanwhile... Tim Morrison learns a lesson about not doing nothing when a classmate of his is getting bullied. And this classmate is Bradford Appleton, the same actor as the kid who had polio and was being shot at. (laughs) Like, not actually (laughs) Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I catch that now. Well, if you you listen to his voice, he's got the same I don't care about anything kind of voice. Sure. Sounding, yeah. He's very typecast. Yeah, Melvin Gorf is this kid's name. And the whole Tim storyline... I'll start off with this one. Timmy's name has changed to Tim all of a sudden in this episode. Oh, yes. What we can see from Timmy's storyline translates over into John's in a way that I think works better than trying to bring God's will into the picture, even though I still think there's room for that. And I, I want to talk to some pastor friends of mine and to some some of the spiritual leaders on the hall to ask, like, figure out this question. But regardless of that, let's talk about Timmy. Tim is at school with a friend named Cody and they see Melvin Gorf trip and drop his, I think he falls into one of their classmates leaning tower of Pisa that isn't leaning anymore as Cody puts it. And that's great humor. It's situational. And then everyone starts chanting goofy Gorf, goofy Gorf. And the monitor isn't there because she's taking care of something in the, in the playground or something or outside. And when Tim gets home, He tells his dad, yeah, but I didn't join in any of the teasing. I didn't do any of the teasing. So John and John says, wait, wait. So you didn't do anything. And he brings out a quote by Edmund Burke that says, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. And then he also brings up, doesn't he have a, oh yeah, he brings up the verse that says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your father in heaven. I'm mixing my translations there. And Tim says, I don't think those kids who were picking on Melvin would have praised my father in heaven. And John says, no, but Melvin might have. And that's a great line to end that scene on because it's poignant. It makes you think, what can you do to glorify God? What can you do that is good? That's not just you sitting on the sidelines, not doing anything, not standing up for somebody else. Right. Like your good works are are things that you should do that either take you outside your comfort zone or are work to do. It's not going to be easy to be a Christian. So Tim does the best thing that he can after that. And he goes to Melvin's house and tries to make things right. And even though he's he's moving and there's is he moving or he's going to another school, something like that, even though he's leaving the school, Tim makes a new friend. In that moment. And I think that's the best that he could do and shows to Melvin that he did want to do the right thing. And Tim ends that scene where he's talking to his dad about it, saying, I'll never do nothing again. And that spurs John on to make a decision about the mayoral, mayoral race because Monica announces her candidacy. And, and I'll get to Monica in a second and that whole thing. 
Did you have anything you wanted to say about Tim first? I mean, I agree with you. I like Tim in this episode and the sort of the story that he goes on. Mm -hmm. And I think I see where you were coming from earlier when you said, like, if we took out all the discerning God's will stuff from this episode, it's a great episode nonetheless, because that's basically what you're left with is Tim's storyline, which is a really touching storyline. Well, not only that, but also John learning from Tim what he should do. Yeah, to a certain extent. We'll get there. But like even just Tim's story, (laughs) Tim's storyline, I love so I, I mostly love where it comes out. It's kind of bittersweet because it's kind of too late for Tim to do much because the kid's still going to be moving to a different school. Mm-hmm. And so he can't really make up for what he did and bring things back to a scenario that would have worked at this school that would have maybe fixed things a lot better from where they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he can at least be a friend to this kid, at least for now. Yeah, and that's encouraging to like, even if we mess up, even if we don't do something that we want to do, it's not like Tim is asking, well, does he say, I think he even asks uh, Melvin for forgiveness, being like, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't stand up for you. And that's something that he didn't realize he should do because he goes to his dad and is proud to say like, I didn't join in any of the teasing, but I didn't really do anything to help either. And he's proud to say that. And now he has a change of heart, not because there was something within him that prodded him to do that, not because there was a calling from God or a conviction from God on that, even though there often is on those things. It was that he he hadn't seen it this way. He didn't see it in that in that perspective. And now he's growing as a character. I don't know how much this will play into his yeah. character in the future. I think there's a specific episode in season nine that comes to mind, maybe. But other than that, I like how that goes for him, even though... Yeah. Yeah. Even though I don't think we ever see Gorf again in the series. Unfortunate. Which, if you spell Gorf backwards, it's Frog. <laughs> What's his first name again? Melvin. Don't if think. You spell that back. It's uh, Nivlem. Which just sounds like Melvin just said with a lisp. <laughs> Nivlem. I like how when frog. Timmy is sympathizing with Melvin, he says, Yeah, kids used to pick on me in kindergarten. I had a lisp. <laughs> he says lisp. A lisp. I have this lift. I have a lift. I also like how Melvin plays one, usually one on one, but it's just him, so it's just one. Oof, <laughs> poor That's guy. That's real sad. <laughs> That's a villain backstory if I ever heard one. Oh man, Harry the Platypus. When I was a child in Gimmelstoop, I only played one. If I had a nickel for every time a villain in a fictional series played one, I'd have two nickels, which isn't much, but it's kind of weird <laughs> it happened twice. <laughs> anyway. Tying that into John's storyline, Monica's first scene in this episode is she's getting things ready for the announcement, and she's only in the two scenes, in this one and in the background of the next scene, and she's calling Friendly Francois fresh fruit, alliteration. We were just talking about this last episode, and it's hilarious here, because she's trying to call to complain about the grapes and how she was supposed to get green grapes instead of red red grapes, right? And she she calls- She was supposed to get red. She okay, got green. and she got green, and she calls and says, "I was supposed to get red, not green. What kind of a fruit man are you?" Okay, I understand you're a friendly fruit man. <laughs> That's great. I've got to imagine that this sounds like Barney is on the other end of the line. I'm a friendly. <laughs> what fruit- kind of fruit man are you? I'm a friendly fruit man. <laughs> <laughs> And then she leaves. And then we get another great conversation between Brooke and Becca. You can tell they're such good friends because they know how to pick on each other. And they, uh, like Brooke says that she saw the guest list and looks like there are a lot of important people who are coming to the announcement. And then transition to the next episode. Everyone's going around the house doing something that's a perfect way to set up an episode, establishing the characters in both 
uh, like they're already doing things that are inconsequential to the plot. But when the plot happens, the TV and the announcement, everyone's there for that. So it shows them in their natural environment. That's a good way to have an episode. And I think I like this style a little bit more than Laurie's of we just enter a scene where the both characters are. Or maybe it's also like Star Wars in the prequels where you'll zoom in on two characters just walking and not saying anything. Then all of a sudden one of them will say, you ever hear the tra-? or something like that randomly. <laughs> and in Laurie's writing, they'll be either getting back home or going into a new scenario. Whereas in John Fornoff's writing and in Beth Culp's writing back in story to tell when John had the cheeseburgers they were already doing things and then all gathering around and that was the start of the conversation whereas in sure I think this was sort of the case in the last episode with everyone eating pizza but then it wasn't a very natural morphing to so what does everyone think about Brooke being about Brooke possibly leaving it was sort of like you could have been doing anything there but this one it all makes sense because John's watching the TV and everyone's gathering around him yeah, I agree. The, the The scenes in this are really well done. Like, there's a lot of... I feel the scenes have a good deal of action to them. Yeah. That, like, the plot is always driving forward based on where people find themselves in each scene. And each scene has a good deal of, like, we're going to build up the scene and have, like, some fun, just regular interactions. But then we're also going to have interactions that deal with the main theme. One example, it's it's really funny when they go to the tailor store and uh, John's looking for something kind of healthy the as organic a snack. barley green tofu bar. Did you write that down? Yes. <laughs> Did you? It's also it? non soy, which and means that it's a very particular type of tofu. Oh, because tofu is generally made of soy, isn't it? I don't know. I love the payoff for the tofu for the tofu bar. <laughs> Yes. Or the organic barley. At the end, he's like, he mentions, I would, like, I'm not one to pass around cigars, which, okay, good for you, but I will pass around this. He passes around the tofu. <laughs> he gives one to what his family a members. celebration. It's so good. See, I love the characterization in this episode, especially with the emphasis that's placed on John. We haven't, I don't think we've had this much character development for him or an episode that focuses so much on him. And then... Even when he's praying, I think in vain, I think in a way that the episode is saying, like, for a sign, like that God would give him a sign. And then he ends up getting a literal sign. It's just funny. That was funny. Yeah. It's great. But also ironic that this choice is staring you in the face. Same thing as last episode. What are you doing? Do you want to talk about it, Ryan? Sure. Let's go. I would love to talk about it. And if you're getting tired so, of this, send a voice message at returntogilead.com. Send a voice message. Ryan, <laughs> stop having theological opinions. <laughs> we don't want to hear your theological opinions, Ryan. That said, here's my theological opinion. <laughs> this has been Ryan's Theological Soapbox. With Ryan. Yes, naturally. Hosted by Ryan. Edited by Michael. Aw. I'm going to have to edit this. For the viewers' sanity. (laughs) Anyway, for this episode, what we see is John Morrison trying to discern what God's will is because everybody around him is saying they think he should run for mayor. And it's interesting because this episode in particular is a bit different from the previous, uh, the previous three, for that matter, um, because Brooke was the one that kind of initiated, like, I think God is calling me to this. And then people pushed back on that. Here, the main person that's being called is being told by everybody else that they're being called. 
before they themselves ever get any inkling of it. In fact, when Michael brings it up like, hey, you should run for mayor, John laughs his head off. Right. And I'm trying to figure out where I stand on this because it's very... I, I think the first thing is I don't see where everybody's getting the idea that he should run for mayor as a God is calling you to this yeah, sort of thing. Like I can see them saying, I think you'd make a good mayor. And I think if I were to like, if I were the one writing this episode, it would not have anyone other than John say, I think God's calling you to this because I don't think that's anyone else's right to say i think god's calling you to do things Mm. because as i spoke in the last episode i don't think god even necessarily says in his word that he calls us like that that we should try to discern what he's calling us to do in the micro anyway if i can jump on like praying for discernment if that's anything similar that's one way that i think god's will can be discerned in that how depending on how we pray maybe he'll speak to us maybe he'll provide circumstances maybe he'll show us in his word. But if any of us lacks wisdom, all he has to do is ask, I think is is more that. But with this scenario, as you're saying, it it would be hard to tell specifically, oh, is God calling me to this specific position? Well, maybe. But continue, I'll let you make the, make the case for this one. Sure. And I think that there's plenty, like I, I totally support praying for discernment, praying for wisdom. That's things, those are things that God tells us to do in his word anyway. But when we do that, it's important to understand sort of the practical mechanics of how that works. Are we praying for discernment and then God tells us like in our hearts, hey, hey, here's what I want you to do. Or in praying for discernment, do we grow closer to God and then he's able to work on our hearts and then we're able to discern what is what is right from what is wrong and then make a decision because there, there always was a decision that was in line with God. As opposed to God saying, here's two options that are equally perfect, but this is the one I like for no moral reason, just because I, I this is the one that you should do because I told you to. And I also don't know if you'd be able to tell if you made the wrong decision. Exactly. That's that's where it gets even trickier. It's difficult in this episode because like John doesn't get a sense that he needs to do anything until basically everyone's telling him to do it. And I, I was saying this earlier, if I were to rewrite it. I think the easy, the quick, easy way to kind of fix that is don't have anyone tell him, I think this is God's will for you, because I don't think that's anyone's responsibility or right to do that. Mm-hmm. What I would have them say is, I think you'd make a great mayor. They can say, I think that this is very needed. This is very important. They can all push him in that direction. And I think that's one place where John could say, OK, everyone seems to want me to do this. I will think and pray about it very decidedly, but I want to explore what God has to say on this. And i that's one place where I really respect John because he's not going to just be kind of peer pressured into this. He's going to say, look, unless I think that that's what God wants me to do, I'm not going to do it. Now, granted, I think that John can look at it and say, objectively, this looks like a good decision that would be- would honor God by my actions and would allow me to help people. Therefore, it's a good decision. So long as I don't have any lack of peace about it mm-hmm. that seems to be coming from God, let's do this. And that would clearly tie into the subplot with Timmy. Right, right. I think this episode's clouded by the God's will thing because there's a really powerful message yes. behind Timmy's side. 
Yes. And I think that this episode would be stronger if they could uh, focus in on the Timmy side of things as a reason for what John does more solidly than just because he he finally feels like God has given him the divine okay through random coincidences. However humorous they are and ironic they are. Right. Like, I think the sign thing is really funny. Difficult thing about it, though, I I wonder about stuff like that because there are people that will make decisions in real life that sound kind of ridiculous and usually are. Like, for example, people who they call they they say they're Christians and they say, I went and got a lottery number and it's 316 repeated because of John 316. I opened my Bible and that was the verse it fell on. And I know it's God's will for me to get this lottery ticket that says 316, 316 or whatever. But it's a lottery ticket. Right. Guys. Like that person is looking for God's will in fortune cookies, more or less. (laughs) And that's where like we would look at that and say, that's clearly bonkers and really not the way that you should treat God's will. But then we look at this with John and he's like, oh, well, Monica's thing says it's time to make a difference and it's a sign. So that's clearly a sign from God. I, yeah. I don't go looking for God's will in billboards typically sometimes one might just so happen to have a message that might be applicable to my current situation but i don't draw divine wisdom from that per se john doesn't even necessarily not want to be mayor either he's just kind of neutral about it it maybe is right the one moral thing is the whole good men do nothing which isn't in the bible it's it's a it's a quote from who was it edmund burke Yes. So Edmund Burke said at one point, the only thing necessary for evil to thrive is for good men to do nothing. I'm probably messing up that quote. But the question then becomes, is that true? And is that enough of a basis for John to say, yes, I will run for mayor because I have to oppose Monica? What do you think of that? I think that works because Monica being mayor would be a net downside, especially considering the what she's wanting to bring to the town, the the gaming district or the entertainment district with limited gambling, uh, the bars, and with John's example of look at South Point, this town that brought that stuff in and then just became a highway, a tourist attraction. So he's seeing that as a negative, but he also sees that everyone is because everyone is telling him if we change everyone else saying hey some or some people saying i think god is calling you to do this if we change it from that to simply them saying like i think you'd be a great mayor then he sees that he has the support he's the most one of the most popular men in town because of all the connections he has from what we've seen he's one of the most influential men he's a judge he has the position he has the means to do it so i think that's enough to say yeah he should do it and him saying oh but there are all these downsides politics are tricky yeah but you're john morrison You know how to be above that. (laughs) I think that makes sense. Even apart from the Bible, I think just on a practical level, that would work. I agree with that. I think it's like, especially if we look at this from just a practical standpoint, it makes sense what he does. Like him, he realizes Monica would not be a good mayor. If she doesn't have any opposition, she gets it instantly. And we definitely don't want that. We want to give people an option at the very least. And 
everyone is saying that he should do it. So to a certain extent, he's already been elected by the people (laughs) unofficially. From a practical standpoint, there's no reason he shouldn't run for mayor. And when you look at that in light of, okay, can I bear fruit here? Okay, well, the the positive is that I'm able to uh, do good things for the town and stop Monica. The negative is that it might have stress. It, It might place stress on my family, but they've all said that they're okay with that and they support me in this. So really, it all kind of comes together. And I think that for, from that standpoint, if John says, yeah, I'll do it, he is he has done his due diligence to kind of make sure that he's within God's will because he's ensuring that what he does bears fruit and that it isn't sinful. As far as his decision at the end of the episode, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Kind of how he comes to the decision is what I think is a little uh, yeah. more on the side of it kind of seems superstitious to look for signs in in like billboards and yard signs. Before we get too far, can we play the clip of the day and see how it ties in to this discussion? Absolutely. Unless God specifically tells me to run, I, I don't think I should. All right, then. You're right. Uh, unless you hear clearly, you shouldn't run. Oh. Well, the deadline for filing for candidacy is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to disappoint you. No, it, it's not that. I, I want you to do what's right, what God's telling you to do. You think God's telling me to run? I have a feeling he is. Oh, John, mm. you mean that just because someone else has a feeling about what you're supposed to do doesn't mean that that's enough? <laughs> Huh? Oh whoa, my gosh. Whoa. Where that's was hilarious. this where was this uh, mentality last episode? Hmm? <laughs> that's that's a really good point. Yeah, that's what I wanted to bring out here. Anyway. Yes. Totally agree with you. Like if that <laughs> if that's gonna be a consistent standard, it's difficult for it to be a consistent standard because two Christians aren't always necessarily on the same page as far as what they think God's will is. I think that's partially because a lot of people are kind of acting a bit superstitious about what God's will is. They see a good opportunity and they say, that's God's will, when that's not how it works. It's not how any of this works. That's not how the force works. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, does that kind of bring this whole discussion to, to a wrap for now? Yeah, yeah, I think it does. Like, again, it's like the last episode where there's one key thing that I think is kind of at the foundation of the episode that I disagree with. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that I don't enjoy it because these are real, like they they are very real characters and they're experiencing life based on their beliefs and their actions. Mm -hmm. And it's written well, despite my disagreement with the foundation. Mm -hmm. Well, that's an okay place to be. And if we get to talk with John Fornoff, We'll ask him what he's even doing with John Morrison in this episode. But, you know, anyway, let's end this thing. All right. Well, Ryan, since I deprived you from it last time, why don't we start off the top here? It's episode 98 of Return to Gilead. It's nearing episode 100, which isn't anything glamorous. I think the season 9 premiere is more of a cool starting point, episode 111. But... If people wanted to send in, like, contact or feedback or something, how would they do that? Well, here's what you're going to do, see. I recently invested in a VR headset. (laughs) And you know what? I'm going to be the first person to use VR headset to access (laughs) returntogilead.com. If you want to be the second person 
and just so happen to have a VR headset lying around, you can go to returntogilead.com using your headset and you can view in 360 degree phenomenal resolution the wonders that are returntogilead.com. You can leave a voice message for us. I don't know if the VR headset supports that. Maybe. I'm now looking into making a VR website. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also listen to our wonderful catalog of other episodes, as well as interviews of various people who make up the cast and crew of Down Gilead Lane and Beyond Gilead. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that because we have literally no more time in these wraps. Next time, we're going to be doing episodes 99 and 100 Trouble in the Jungle Parts 1 and 2 Looking forward to it So until then I'm Ryan And I'm Michael Thanks so much for joining us And we'll see you all in the next episode As we once again Return to Gilead <laughs> <laughs>